Good evening and welcome to the Black Robe podcast. I'm very excited tonight. We have a very special guest in the house. It's none other than Dr. Karen Johnson, who is the new director of the Washington State Office of Equity. Welcome to the Black Robe podcast, Dr. Johnson. Welcome, Queen. Thank you for having me. It is absolutely our pleasure. I want to make sure that our guests know a little bit about the queen that's sitting on the equity throne of Washington state. That's how I want to characterize it. The queen that's sitting on the equity throne of Washington state. Just tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to this throne. <laughs> and it's a little something that will help our audience understand your journey from where you began to where you are now. Well, it is always a pleasure and a privilege to be in your presence, Queen Carol Mitchell. And, you know, God has a sense of humor. So for those who don't know me, I am a tall, melanin-rich queen of African Blackfoot, Cherokee, Hebrew, Japanese, and Seminole descent. Now, this is according to dad who figured all this out before Ancestry.com was a thing. And how did I come to this role? Well, I came to this role by overcoming many dangers, toils, and snares, walking by faith and not by sight to become a prepared vessel academically, professionally, and personally. You know, when I think about it academically, Carol, I started as an occupational therapist, got my master's in public administration, and then a doctorate in urban services, which means that I've learned how to run cities and things. Professionally, when I was thinking about uh, how did I get to this role? I've served in the public sector, both state and uh, federal government, the private sector, nonprofit sector, and in the faith community. And for a minute or two, uh, was a small business owner and still do some consulting work, but not right now. We're kind of busy with other things. And then personally, you know, I prepared myself spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, and emotion. You know, when you go through those many dangers, toils, and snares, it can take a toll on a person. But I've learned how to focus on being instead of doing, and I have learned to be still. That's how I came to this role as the inaugural uh, director for the newly created uh, Washington State Office of Equity. That is a mouthful that yes. you just spoke. And I think uh, most people who were listening to you could tell that you, you are a woman that has a deep sense of purpose, mm -hmm. a deep sense of faith, Mm -hmm. and a very clear vision mm -hmm. for what uh, you know is right to do. And, and I think you have a, 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 you know how to get there and how to implement that vision. So tell us a, list, a little bit about the history and the mission of the Office of Equity, the Washington State Office of Equity. Absolutely. Well, the newly created uh, Washington State Office of Equity was established by the legislature and signed into law in April 2020 because they found a few things. First, that the population of Washington State has become 
increasingly more racially and ethnically diverse over the last several decades. And they noticed that as the demographics of the state changed, historically and currently marginalized communities, largely black, indigenous, people of color, <coughs> excuse me, still do not have the same opportunities to meet parity as their non-marginalized, largely white, counterparts across nearly every measure, including education, poverty, employment, health, and more. And these inequities were based on race, ethnicity, gender, and other immutable characteristics. And they continue to be deep, pervasive, and persistent. And last year, COVID-19 exposed that these inequities are also now coming at a great economic and social cost. What's our mission? Simply to promote access to equitable opportunities and resources, right? And the power that's needed to reduce disparities and improve outcomes statewide across government. Mm -hmm. Access and power. Yes. Yes, and um, I want to welcome to the stage our beautiful Anjanae Slaughter, who has just joined us. Welcome. Hi, uh, Dr. J. Hi, Anjanae. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad I didn't stop the party. Oh, no. <laughs> party just going to start. Party over here. Exactly. No, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because the Office of Equity, I mean, is so, it's a, it's a pioneering the office itself is something that is in uncharted waters, something that we haven't heard from other states implementing. It's definitely a progressive move and a bold move, I would say, as on Washington's behalf of saying, hey, because a part of it is one, acknowledging that there's inequity. And I think that's the hardest part for a lot of white people in a lot of governments Right. is just acknowledging it, you know, and, and because there's so much guilt that I think is kind of associated with that, but yes. we're beyond pointing fingers and, you know, we need, we need action, we need change. And so I'm really excited to just hear all the plans that our <laughs> Office of Equity has in mind to kind of, yeah, how are we going to even the playing field here in Washington? We are going, well, we propose to do several things that the state has never done before uh, to create this equitable and just state. So we plan to do basically three things. Uh, and it's gonna take the entire village, everybody in the village to pivot from perpetrating harm and pivot to perpetrating equity and justice for all. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna lay a strong foundation. You know, when you're building a, a building, it seems like it takes forever to lay that foundation. And then from time to time, it might feel like we're playing in the dirt. It's like, where are they? What are they doing? Well, what we're doing is centering equity in all the operations, programs, and interactions, meaning that we will also get to define what equity is. Mm -hmm. You know what that means. Making sure that everybody understands we're not talking about equality here. Mm -hmm. Equity, you can't even get to equality without equity, mm -hmm. acknowledging that everyone is not starting from the same place. And equity is achievable, and we're going to work to demonstrate that. And it requires reprioritizing resources 
and support toward communities of color and other marginalized communities facing inequities. And before you got on, Ajanea, we listened from the legislature, they found inequities in everything from education to employment to poverty and other areas. So that mm -hmm. means prioritizing resources and support in those areas toward communities of color and other marginalized communities. Achieving equity, like you just said, requires us to identify it, to name it, and begin to dismantle institutional and systemic racism and oppression. And our office plans to work with, and we're gonna prioritize these communities of color, workers, low-income communities, because anti-poverty work and anti-racism work go hand in hand to achieve mm -hmm. equity in both urban and rural regions of Washington. The second thing we want to do is maximize the system that we have. Now, if Grandma Alice were here, she said, Karen, don't Karen. throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, I didn't know what that meant as a child, but I have come <laughs> to understand what she would be saying is don't just destroy everything up in there. Just, just go ahead and maximize what you have through stronger policy, collaborations across systems, <laughs> sectors, jurisdictions to make the most of what we have while number three, building the system that we need. And we must begin to dismantle racism by addressing root causes through bold systemic and cultural change. And, and this is also the same strategy that the uh, poverty reduction work group charged by Governor Inslee uh, has set forth in their blueprint for a just and equitable future, their 10 year uh, plan to dismantle poverty in Washington. I, I would encourage people to take a look at that. It's, it's it's about eliminating racism and oppression, and that's going to require revolutionary change. And that's mm -hmm. what our office is going to be about. And we commit to using the authority that we have and our collective influence, right, to propose changes in laws, policies, practices that begin to interrupt and dismantle historical systems of, of uh, systemic racism and oppression. So that's what we plan to do. But you know, I mean, our question is for real, is there anyone who's um, really ready to do something real that wants to join us in the work? You know, where are where's the dream team? That's what we're looking for. And we want people to join us and be in the gold standard of equity and justice, not only for this state, not only for this nation, but for the nations of the world. Well, the Institute for Black Justice is all in. All in. Thank all you. In. Thank Ten you. Toes, Ten fingers. All, in. all in. And now, you know, some of the things you're you're talking about will be very disruptive to the status quo. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, what will state employees and the public notice what differences will they start to see uh, we'll talk about your listening sessions in just a little bit mm -hmm. because i know you're engaging the whole state all mm -hmm. sorts of organizations in designing mm -hmm. that plan mm -hmm. but is there anything that public employees or state employees will start to see you doing right away that's different yes and it's going to be different in approach First thing they're gonna notice is that mm, Dr. J's approach is real, relevant, and relational. We're not playing, we're, we're not trying to sugarcoat, whitewash anything. <laughs> we're gonna be real, we're gonna keep it real, 
we're not being distracted with foolishness. We're going to be relevant and we're going to be relational. So, so we'll be in the face, upfront, in person, whatever that means, Zoom, lunch, whatever that means. But they're, they're going to see that we, we mean business. So we're going to be real, relevant, and relational. They're also going to see our approaches. We're going to love large and we're going to bring hope. We're going to let the haters hate. We choose to celebrate. And mm-hmm. we're going to bring hope. And hope is an acronym for helping other people excel. Because mm-hmm. as you know, uh, there are many agency leaders who may not know what to do and want to figure it out, well, we're going to help them. There are many who don't want to do anything differently and we're going to help them to get into a space where they can do that's just that. But that won't be here, not right now. <laughs> and, and, and right now, we're involved in our strategic planning listening sessions, as you, you want to talk about in a minute or two. But that also means that state agencies are undergoing their organizational equity readiness assessment so that through that process, they are learning what operationalizing equity means in terms of this assessment process. And what people are noticing right now is that there's that saying nothing about us without us. Well, right now they are having listening sessions as well with their employees because we want to walk the talk and model the way. Mm-hmm. And so we've made this a very inclusive process and have expected and are asking them to do the same. And, and they are. So we're gonna be real relational and relevant. We're gonna love larger, bring hope, and we're committing to bold action. And, and you know, dealing with racism is uh, requires revolutionary change. And they're gonna see out the gate that we are leading with race. Uh, that's not that we understand the intersectionality among discrimination and oppression. We get all that. Yet our charge of the legislature is to start start with race. Yeah, that is that is bold in itself. You know, uh, as I mentioned, no other state is doing anything like this, and just calling it out, saying we need to begin with race because that's the only way. Right, the bold actions. Um, there, it's a reconstructive period right now right. that I can see our state really going through. Um, and that's huge, you know, yeah. and especially when we're talking about not just like social issues, but when we start entering like economic and employment territories, right? Because I love to talk about economics and about entrepreneurship and how it really can be linked to social justice, you know, right. I mean. In order for us to even be able to take time out of our day to participate in community, we have to have the financial like feasibility to do so. Right. Therefore, we need to see more of our people in higher levels of employment, right? Not just working right. at uh, regular hourly jobs where you have to work or you only get eight hours of vacation a year or something crazy, <laughs> you know? We need to be able to have the flexibility Uh, So I wonder how will a a government entity, because essentially the Office of Equity is a government entity, how how we're going to be able to kind of step into the private sectors. Um, We're seeing some large corporations already promising to hire African-American employees and stuff like that. But is that a goal that or a standard that we can maybe apply across the board, not just to those who want to opt in? You know, how can we start promoting equity in the private sector where the money and the dollars really are at? Well, well uh, Governor Gregoire and Steve Mullen have created 
where w-e-r-e washington employers uh, for racial equity and they just hired an executive director philip jacob and yeah. they, they'll be meeting with the uh, office of equity in the near future i'm not looking at the calendar right now so we can talk about how can we partner in, in this work and so i believe through that organization that coalition of some 30 or 40 businesses who are committing to advancing racial equity that we're going to see some of that however you know the, there's the the work of the um, governor's committee the poverty reduction work group they have brought together a, a host of state agencies to start thinking about well what does uh, dismantling poverty really mean and again at the center of their work is anti-racism work. And mm -hmm. they've put forth recommendations in this 10-year plan that I mentioned earlier. And now they're ready to implement. And so it, it's, it's really time for us to join forces uh, with them and to really intentionally begin to one, dismantle these systems of oppression and racism, one, while two, because what, what comes with that is economic injustice. I mean, because once you think about the whole slavery system, black people have been black for a long time. This was about <laughs> greed, power, and control. And even right now, even though we all know the truth, that just because the European colonizers decided that after they killed the uh, indigenous people, that they're because they were a different race, they said. They were just going to take that whole philosophy to a whole other level when it came to our African ancestors and to say that we were not human, a different race. And that's when they decided to drop their uh, heritage and created white, whiteness, and white supremacy. Now, I'm not talking about hoods, right? And, and they did that to enslave a whole group of people. And notice, I did not say that our ancestors were slaves. No, they were enslaved. These are kings and queens from Africa who were brought here against their own will. And so it was about, it's always been about greed, power, and control. And so that's why in order to really operate and walk in the economic prosperity, economic justice for all, then we must begin to dismantle these systems of racism that were leading to just the benefit of the field. And for all those, based on uh, that melanin, all yeah, based on that melanin, that beautiful it, melanin, that chocolate, soup, right? Over well, for those who, who might just be tuning in, because we know some of you don't start at the beginning, we want you to be aware that we are talking now with Dr. Karen A. Johnson, who goes by Dr. J, for those who know her well. Mm. She's the inaugural director for the newly created Washington State Office of Equity which was established by the late legislature and signed into law in April 2020, but she is the very first director of that office. It has a budget and a staff, mm -hmm. and it will be working with agencies to increase access to equitable opportunities in order to bridge opportunity gaps and reduce disparities. Uh, she's working right now on a five-year equity plan and she's using that bachelor's degree, that master's degree, and that doctorate mm -hmm. <laughs> to try to, to, and in spite of all of that education, work experience, and knowledge, 
she still has the good sense to go listen right. to people who are both disparately impacted or who also might be beneficiaries of the plan. Uh, so we want to take a few more minutes here tonight and just see, are, are there any themes coming out of your listening sessions? And when can the people who are watching this, listening to the podcast and watching this video, when can they participate in a listening session of their own? You're taking me into the space now with the people and we'll do the best to do this without tears because they're in my heart. Mm -hmm. um, you can imagine the major themes in terms of education and wealth and, and all of that. I'm, so I'm not gonna talk about those. I'm gonna talk about what the people have been talking about. And they have basically begged us to focus on anti-racism and anti-poverty to mm. achieve equity. You know, they, they talk about racism as a construct of white supremacy. And these are mostly white people. And that's been used to oppress uh, communities as the other. And so our office is committed to promoting equity for all the historically marginalized communities. And like I said earlier, we recognize that uh, different forms of discrimination and oppression are related to each other. And we'll take those into account. Yet we, because racism is ingrained in our history and deeply embedded in our institutions, in our bodies, in our interactions today, leading to the inequities that led to the establishment of this office, we're gonna challenge on their behalf and begin to undo all forms of oppression. And we're committed to centering equity and belonging and anti-racism in our work. The second major theme that's emerging from our listening sessions is around nothing about us without us. So many have been so thankful that we have invited them and they're thankful for the COVID, it's one of the gifts of the COVID because now they're able to interact with us on Zoom as opposed to having to travel to a meeting in Olympia or traveling anywhere. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're saying that, please, please, Dr. J, whatever your office does, we must be involved and we want to be involved with the state agencies and how they treat us. And we recognize that we can only achieve equity if the, the communities impacted by the inequities are at the center of our work. So we, we plan to incorporate stories of lived experience into everything we can, into the website that we're building, the reports that we're going to be preparing, into the recommendations we're going to be making, into the, 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 the equity plans that we're going to ask the state agencies to, to develop, you know, establishing equity goals uh, that tie, align with the state's five-year plan. And I think the third major theme that we're hearing is that people are just sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're, um, they're, they're, they're I, I can't even begin to be with talking to black people or Latinx people. Today, I was talking with a, a group who are, uh, have intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, the other last week, it was people who are deaf and all are saying, we are experiencing trauma. The trauma of being left out, the trauma <laughs> of being excluded, the trauma of being passed over, the trauma of give, even giving work in this work 
and now risking retaliation and loss of job and loss of income. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they have hope that this office is going to be able to make a difference. As we know, we can't do it all, but we certainly can be a voice and begin to provide space for those who are about the work right now to, to join and, and let's get serious and let's get this done. Let's shift the trajectory of the state and of this nation toward justice, equity and justice for all. And how can one participate in an upcoming session? We'll just email Latasha Varley, excuse me, Latasha Tisdale, L-A-T-A-S-H-A, Latasha dot Tisdale, T-I-S-D-E-L at equity.wa.gov to schedule a listening session in the month of June. So that's latasha.tisdel at equity.wa.gov to schedule a listening session in June. Yeah, good luck getting in in June. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Don't tell the people that. What, I <laughs> we're just about, we're, we're now on weekends and, and, and evenings. Okay. Hi, demand. We want to hear Hi, demand. Well, I know, Dr. Johnson, you start your day at like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. And so we really appreciate the fact that you stayed up late. <laughs> I know you stayed up late just to uh, to have this conversation with us and to to share your vision and your hopes for uh, the Washington State Office of Equity. Uh, I know that you have a poem that you want to share with us, but I just want to make sure that, Anjanae, is there anything else that you want to, you want to take advantage of this moment to ask Dr. J to uh, her closing poetry with us? Yes, Dr. J, I have just a fiery question, and I don't know if you have an answer right now, but it might be something for you to just take with you. Okay. I feel like the Office of Equity is the perfect uh, space to at least begin the conversation if there is a conversation around reparations. And I know a lot of Black people, you know, are still just, they, we know we just can't sleep at night given that we were promised a while ago 40 acres and a mule, right? And 40 acres is, you know, that was a different day back then. I'm not saying that the reparations are going to look the same as they did before. Uh, but we're starting to see in other states and uh, municipalities, localities uh, in St. Louis, right, Illinois, that mm. has begun this conversation around reparations. And I just wonder if here in Washington State, if there is a place to just kind of have that conversation with the community and figure out what some practical, you know, forms of reparations that we could maybe be in touch with or reach or... Absolutely, you know, and, and with um, Representative Melanie Morgan's Juneteenth bill being signed up by the governor, uh, because to, to, to recognize Juneteenth recognizes uh, that slavery did exist well, and that's when at the end of alleged, at the, when slavery was abolished, that's also when the 40 acres of the mule were promised. And what's interesting about this, funny you should mention that I, I, you took me on a tangent, is that it was the uh, white former people who no, call themselves slave owners. They were the ones who benefited 
from the reparations. They were the ones who were paid at the end of slavery as opposed to the people who were enslaved. So I suspect that that turnaround is fair play. And absolutely, if now, if we're, if not us who, if mm-hmm. not here, where, if not now, when? With, with, as a matter of fact, June might be a very good month for us mm-hmm. to begin to have those, those conversations because acknowledging and honoring and celebrating Juneteenth takes us and reminds us all collectively of why we're celebrating it and why, what Juneteenth was. I'm not gonna tell, give the whole story away, give people go Google it, but that would be a time to talk about reparations and the harm that was done. We must pivot from perpetrating harm to begin to pivot to perpetrating justice. And the only way one could do that is to make one whole. You know, where I come from is called, you have, we have to uh, uh, acknowledge the wrongs that we have done, uh, ask for forgiveness, grant forgiveness so the healing can take place, so reconciliation can take place, transformation can take place, and repair, the reparations can take place. So that there is space to have that those conversations. We certainly don't have those on our docket right yet, yet we're not opposed to doing whatever might be uh, helpful and useful to get the conversation started. Thank you. So let's, uh, let's end this conversation for your sake, <laughs> Dr. J, uh, so that you can get some rest. Uh, you had a poem that you wanted to share as just a punctuation mark at the end of a beautiful conversation. I'm certain that everyone that's watching and listening to you can hear that this is more than just a, a job or a side gig or a side hustle for you. This right. is real life with real people right. and real circumstances that you're trying to address. So thank yes. you for using your life this way. Please thank share you. your point. So it comes from the uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion book developed by Caprice Hollins and Ilsa Govan with Cultures Connecting LLC. And it's entitled, This is the Hour by the Hopi Nation Elders. You've been telling the people that it is the 11th hour. Now you must go back and tell the people that this is the hour. Mm-hmm. And there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in the right relation? Where is your water? Know your garden. It is time to speak your truth, create your community, be good to each other, and do not look outside of yourself for the leader. This could be a good time. There's a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold onto the shore. They will feel they're being torn apart and they will suffer greatly. Know the river has its destination. The elders say we must go, let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river, keep our eyes open and our heads above the water. See who is in there with you and celebrate. At this time in history, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. The time 
of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. Now is the time. Mm -hmm. This is the place. And we are the ones. And as I remember, uh, Mr. George Floyd today, let his death not be in vain. May it be a call for us to take nine minutes and 29 seconds of silence to reflect and figure out what it is that we're going to do to continue the trajectory that his life that he gave has charted for this nation and the nations of the world. Because it is now because of him that we're even having this conversation and understand these are real people, real lives, in real need of our time, our treasure, and our talent. Join us in the work. That was beautiful. Couldn't imagine a better way to just kind of uh, end today's inter uh, podcast, today's interview with you. I mean, it applies so much urgency to the matter. For a long time, people will just sweep things under the rug and say, hey, we'll get to it or we'll put it on the list. We'll put it on the docket. But, you know, it's just a matter of bureaucracy, right. you know, and time to just slow things down. So I love that. And I love that that is the speed, the tempo that the Office of Equity is working in, right? That this is urgent, that we're, urgent. Di we're discussing in this now. Yes. Um, I'm going to reach out to Latasha. <laughs> okay, you. I need to be in that next listening session. Because, um, yes. yes, absolutely. This is amazing yes. work. Thank you. All right, beautiful, Anjane. Wrap it up, Sonny, so the doctor can go to bed. Well, we can, we can, we can let, we can let Dr. J go. We can. I'm okay. A, I'm here. I'll hang as long as I need to hang. Okay. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you all for uh, tuning in to tonight's podcast and really listening here to uh, Dr. J and her vision for the Office of Equity. Um, I have a personal story as far as with Dr. J. When I was working um, for a startup, you know, MBE, Minority Women Business Entre uh, a job, uh, Business, right? Minority-owned business. We were advocating for some... Um, to pilot a program and within the Department of Justice. And at the time, Dr. J worked for the DOJ and she opened the door to at least bring, you know, a young black girl and a young black man that were on just doing a startup black business that was, you know, trying to reduce recidivism through a culturally relevant art form. And so she allowed us to just the space and the time. Uh, so I don't, I, I couldn't thank you more, you know, just for, welcoming you know uh, my voice into that conversation and at that table meeting with the leaders of the department of justice at 24 years old it's just kind of <laughs> that's definitely something that is going to go in my book one day and i'll honor you for that so thank you so much for then thank you for now um i i have to reflect <laughs> and get my questions together for this listening session but i hope you all that are watching will do so as well, right? Think about reparations. Think about what our state
state needs to be doing, the bold acts that we need to be making, because this is the time uh, the leaders are listening. And if you guys want to be a part of that conversation, then reach out to Latasha Tisdale at equity.wa.gov and stay in touch with uh, the IBJ because we're, we're full supporters of the Office of Equity and we'll keep you guys all in tune with everything going on. So that's it for us this Thursday. We'll see you guys all in June. I can't believe it. May's over. I don't know where it went, uh, but you guys all have a great night. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.